here on the Lollygaggers podcast, we believe binging is good for you. So long as it's TV shows and Dolph Lundgren movies, 32-ounce jars of peanut butter. And this episode, Jeff watches robot dogs play darts in Epix's War of the Worlds, while Justin talks about the magnanimity of devs. Both Lollygaggers then take the Wayback Machine to the Old West with the adventures of Briscoe County Jr. Welcome to episode number 88 of the Lollygaggers podcast, a show about all sorts of different things from comics to games, movies to TV, mostly TV today, all TV today. I am one of your hosts, Jeff. I'm the other one, Justin. How's it going, man? Uh, it's going all right. Going all right. Uh, so close to being done with the semester, like I was just telling you before we started. It's going to be really nice to uh, to close this semester. Now, it's been crazy with all the switching and stuff that we've had to do lately, the scrambling to get our classes online. So that's looking nice. And uh, yeah, how are you doing? Good. I've been watching a lot of WWE. Uh, I got like a free month of it. Um, and I'm trying to relive my uh, ages from 11 to 15. Nice. So that's what I'm doing. Also, I, I was talking about this earlier. Did you know that there was a time when the WCW came out and, you know, like Kevin Nash and Razor Ramon went over to WCW? They were part of that. They uh-huh. did the whole NW thing. They could not bring their personas, Razor Ramon and Big Daddy Diesel, over. So the w- and it was weird. I was watching an old WrestleMania, and it, I thought I was like, "This is around the time WCW came out." And Kevin and Big Daddy Diesel and Razor Ramon were still in it, but they were different people. It was really, really weird. Hmm. So like, there was like a, a Razor Ramon lookalike wrestler who was terrible and nobody liked. Because they knew what it was. It was also kind of like a, a big old middle finger. WCW took our guy. We'll keep his persona. And there was a there was a Big Daddy Diesel who, and when I was watching a Royal Rumble, made it pretty deep in the Royal Rumble. I thought it was just going to be a joke too, like kick, get rid of him. But he was like a big thing for a while. So I look it up, and it was a thing where it's like a whole legal thing, and they want to kind of you know thumb to the nose of WCW. But the guy who was playing Big Daddy Diesel was the was Kane. And it was really weird. So it just was so, so I'm like, I'm watching the plan. I'm like, that's not Kevin Nash, also known as Super Shredder. We all know this. Kevin Nash is Super Shredder. But like this guy, I'm like, man, he looks really familiar, but he's not Kevin Nash. And then I looked up some stuff. And I'm like, oh, that was Kane's first debut as a wrestler, as fake Big Daddy Diesel. And then he then became Kane. It was just the weirdest thing. I think I've ever seen that type of stuff. I'm sure as a kid I would have noticed it, but as an adult, I'm like, these are like weird, cracked mirror versions of the characters I just saw like an hour ago. Anyways, I thought it was interesting. It was a really weird thing they did with wrestling. Is it like the same thing uh, like when Garth Brooks had that alternate, you know, his alternate persona where he played Backwards, like... Because he played two people. <laughs> this is two people playing one guy. Okay. So like, this is the difference. Okay, gotcha. A weird thing. And then like a, a year later, Kane debuted uh, and he was like one of the biggest things during the time. I always liked Kane because I thought it was, you know, scary and stuff. I was cool. But like, it was just a really weird, like I said, cracked mirrored version of like these two characters. And it was mostly like, a big old thumb to the nose to to WCW. It was really weird. Wrestling's great. If if you have the brain of a thirteen year old, it's the best thing ever. So yeah, yeah. Uh, I actually used to watch wrestling quite a bit when I was younger, uh, but I haven't 
much recently. I did just back on Kickstarter about a month ago uh, a wrestling RPG. So when it comes out, uh, I feel like we should play. Uh, Justin, If for those of you who don't watch our, our Thursday night show on uh, on Zweihander RPG channel on Twitch, uh, Justin plays a wrestler. So in a kind of like fantastical world. The so, Holy Roller. The Holy Roller, roller. yeah. So I think once the uh, once the the show, or excuse me, once the wrestling RPG comes out, we could totally play that. Uh, there's quite a few folks like th- that I've been hanging out with with these RPG stuff since I've been getting into it lately uh, that love wrestling as well. So I feel like it shouldn't be too hard to to put together a group because it's, in the end, it's theater. Like yeah. the reason why I liked it as a kid, as it was, you know, during the time when I was a kid, it was like the Attitude Era, and like watching someone say "suck it" to other adults, I'm like, oh no, that's so cool. Yeah, my you know? dad hated it, uh, and he always made the argument like, "Oh, it's so fake." I'm like, "Yes, because that Law and Order episode that you're watching is so real." You know, it's just like, yeah, it's, it's right. entertainment. Like, it's entertain. Yeah, me, it's I, I liked watching a guy jump off the top of a ladder onto two tables. Like, that's awesome. That's no matter how you slice it, it hurts, and it's fun. It's cool to watch because you're like, I can't believe it happened. Like, I was watching um a most recent one. They just have this thing called Elimination Chamber because I thought I'd watch some new ones, see what it's like. Hmm. Not not as good. Um, and there's this group. They're called Lucha House Party. And I was like, I'm going to love these guys. There's these two small luchadors. I'm like, they're high flyers. They're going to be great. They go to the top. One of them goes to the top of the Elimination Chamber, which is probably 25 feet high, and just flies off of it onto like 10 guys. Now, I know those 10 guys broke his fall, but still, it's amazing. It's just, it's great to watch stuff like that because it's, it's death defying and I know it's like it they are scheduled to catch him and I get that, but still that stuff hurts and it's really cool to watch. You know what re-energized my interest in wrestling is uh is Glow. Uh actually watching Glow on Netflix and everything. Hell yeah. And also Brie. That kind of got my my interest back again when it started a couple of years back. because uh, I hadn't really watched or paid attention to it in, in many years. So all right. Anyway, uh let's get, what we want to talk about. Yeah, let's get going. So uh so Justin and I've been watching a lot of TV. Uh, and uh, I've been watching a ton of TV because I've been I've been swamped, uh, and it's really hard to play some, some stuff. But I have been playing a handful of video games, but I'm not quite to the point where I want to talk about them yet because I don't really feel like I've played enough. Uh, so instead, I'm going to talk about a uh, recent television show that I uh, that I watched. Not so much binge. I guess I binged like the first half of it, but then I caught up to like the normal release, and then eventually I started watching it like week to week uh, because uh, epics gave me a and I'm not just me personally I'm sure plenty of other people as well uh gave me a free month of their uh, of their channel and on their channel they do some of their own original programming and uh, I saw that one of those original original programs was War of the Worlds uh which is if you know anything about War of the Worlds there's been a lot of different iterations over the years but uh, it all stems from an HG Wells book uh from a long time ago where earth is effectively invaded by aliens right just think about it in those terms uh we had a steven spielberg uh, tom cruise movie about it uh what about 10 15 years ago at this point uh and uh and this is a, a television show and it's it's created by howard overman uh, and it's uh di- see directed by a bunch of different people direct uh, different episodes uh but there's a uh, starring like recognizable there's a couple of recognizable faces and, and people uh most notably i would say is uh, gabriel byrne uh so if you're familiar with gabriel byrne he's been a lot of things usual suspects for instance uh and it's also got elizabeth mcgovern uh they play uh strange like 
older husband and wife who etc cetera, etc cetera. Uh, so this iteration of world of the worlds uh, is a little bit different uh, because uh, all of the you know all the iterations of world of the worlds kind of explore the way in which like the aliens and, and whatnot kind of uh, kind of invade us and so here the basic premise and this is gonna i'm gonna give away effectively the first half an hour of the show uh, is that there's it, instead of it being some kind of uh, just like some large uh, like military force or some weird insidious virus or something like that. Instead, it has to do with like signals and like like radio signals or brainwaves, stuff like that, and how they kind of interconnect. And so the the apocalypse effectively begins when these different um, they're not satellites. They're kind of like satellites, but these like probes since essentially get get shot towards Earth and they begin falling down in various places around the world. Uh, and, uh, they start to like pulse out and give some kind of, of signal, which basically makes it so that anybody who is above ground or not uh, somehow encased in metal, uh, is, uh, is dead. They just like their brains just stop working, uh, in some way and they just, just fall over. Uh, now Gabriel Byrne is one of the stars. It's, it's a bit of a, it's a group. It's not like, there's not like one central you know, hero figure or anything like that. But, uh, but starting with him, he is a professor, science scientist living, uh, living in London. And he specializes in kind of like brain science to some degree. And he stumbles across this, this signal, uh, much like, uh, much like old, uh, Jeff Goldblum stumbled across like the message within the satellite in Independence Day. He stumbles across the signal and he is sort of the first to really start to figure it out. And he starts trying to communicate to like his wife and a couple other people about the dangers. Everyone kind of is getting nervous because there's this clear presence of aliens in, in, in the area. And he's like all frantically trying to go s- to save his, uh, his wife, Elizabeth McGovern and kind of get her into safety. Cause he's, he's figured out how to do it, get underground, uh, or get into and into you know an elevator. They have a son. He tries to do the same thing for him. Meanwhile, there's a couple other stories that go on. Uh, one of the stories follows uh, Leia Drucker uh, in France, and she is uh, also a scientist, except she deals with like uh, satellites. She works uh, for uh, kind of a like a SETI program. Uh, I'm not sure if I can't I can't remember if we were given the specific name, but it's the idea of search for extraterrestrial extraterrestrial life somewhere out in the universe. And so they're like beaming signals out into space uh, and just sort of studying uh, studying satellites. And she's got no, her only real family is like her sister and they're kind of estranged. And so she is at this remote listening location uh, with one other guy and they're just kind of listening, 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 and they're kind of getting the signal. And so we're piecing together uh, the story scientifically from sort of those two perspectives, right? So Gabriel Byrne from like, what does this signal do? And then like Leia Drucker's character from like, you know, how, you know, pervasive it is. Uh, and they begin, you know, she kind of gets involved with the, with the French government and it's sort of telling all sorts of different things about like what could potentially happen, et cetera. This is all before everyone dies. Uh, another, a couple other stories uh, follow one of them. One of the main ones is like this, there's this one central family uh, who. Uh, aren't related to those two stories that I just mentioned. Um, these are, it's the Gresham family, I want to say. Uh, and so there's like Natasha Little, Daisy Edgar Jones, uh, Stephen Campbell Moore, uh, another name I can't remember. Uh, all of those are just a family, but they're split up. 
so the father of that family, the patriarch of that family, uh, he is he is in France for some kind of conference, but the rest of the family lives uh, in London. So they're kind of separated at this point. There is hints in the beginning of some kind of maritable maritable problems between the uh, the mother and the father, uh, but uh, they are separated when the apocalypse effectively happens. And so once the apocalypse is starting to happen, we see all these different characters, these different storylines that are racing to kind of figure out what's going on. There's a colonel who ends up, uh, that's played by uh, Adel bin Sharif, uh, Colonel Mustafa. He uh, he ends up going up to the listening location in the like the French Alps, and that becomes a story with him and Leah Drucker and his various small groups of soldiers who survive as they all hide within some kind of, of metal area uh, up by the radio towers, and they survive. Uh, we see that Gabriel Byrne manages to save you know his wife and et cetera, et cetera, uh, and they survive. Uh, then we see whether or not the Gresham family survives as like the mother and the kids, one of whom is blind, the the older daughter, she's blind. Uh, but as she as the 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 aliens start showing up, there's this like weird connection that she has with them uh, to the point where she's like kind of hearing or feeling, sensing some kind of signal um, that later it evolves that sort of signal feeling to the point where she suddenly isn't blind anymore, like for these small moments where she just suddenly isn't blind and she doesn't understand why. So you have the so you follow the family of the Greshams as they're split in London and Paris. You have the secondary story of Gabriel Byrne and Elizabeth McGovern as they are now wandering around a post-apocalyptic landscape in, in London where all the buildings and stuff are intact. It's really just most people died because no one really knew that they were supposed to get underground. No one really knew that they were supposed to get into sort of like these these metal areas. And so uh, everything's still intact. And so you see a lot of shots of like people like wandering through empty streets, etc. cetera. Uh, some of the folks in London eventually kind of group up uh, we follow like another storyline is we follow the father from Paris who's trying to get back to London to see his family. Uh, and he meets a couple people along the way uh, that become uh, relevant to the story and become regulars. Uh, we're also following an, the story of the colonel and the scientists that are up in this in at the radio tower. She's looking for her sister, but they're also trying to make contact with the, with a wider world. And then they're trying to figure things out. And we realize that not only is it, an issue of like this radio signal knocking everybody out and destroying our ability to communicate in long distances. Uh, but then there tends to be another danger as these little like robotic dogs. It's very weird. I know that sounds bad, uh, but there's this little robotic dogs that sort of start showing up and they're like taking out whoever, whatever the stragglers were. Uh, and we start to see this bizarre connection between uh, the blind daughter uh, in these specific, you know, these strange robots, and then one other character uh, in, in his specific connections to it, and you don't really understand. So a lot of it is very much a post-apocalyptic Walking Dead style, where it's like, let's navigate this this empty terrain and try to survive, try to find our loved ones, try to find help, try to group up uh, and find somewhere of safety. Uh, so overall, I actually thought it was pretty good. Um there's I would say that the robot the robots aren't the greatest uh in terms of like their uh, the CGI is okay but like the sounds are kind of weird the the way they they walk is kind of weird but like ultimately I actually 
I'm, I don't, I don't care. That's like not that big a deal to me. It, it, it doesn't look terrible or anything. It's just like, I don't know. It's kind of weird. Like you're like, oh man, this is super serious and super intelligent. And all of a sudden, you see like these weird, <laughs> these weird robotic dogs start coming out of nowhere, and they shoot like needles at people. And like, I don't get it. Uh, so the first season went eight episodes, and it has been renewed for a second season. And there, I would say that much like the Walking Dead notion of you, you start to like characters and they kill them off. Uh, that happens to some degree, uh, but not overly so. Uh, I would say most of the people who survive the opening apocalypse, uh, you can you can relax and kind of enjoy uh, their characters. Uh, there is one character who is escaping this escaping Sudan, and he was like hiding out in a tanker because uh, he was just sort of smuggling, you know, kind of self smuggling himself to to uh, a better place. And that's how he survived. And he becomes a primary figure on the show. Uh, there's another character named Ash who was, uh, it's super heartbreaking, some really heartbreaking stories, especially as it relates to like kids and babies and things like that. Uh, so there's some really dark, sad storylines, but he's a pretty interesting character as well uh, in London as we start to see that be kind of like the central hub to the survivor stories. And then we have like a couple other other pieces as well. Uh, so it's pretty good. It's not not bad. I, I've never really watched an epic show before, uh, so like I didn't really really know what to suspect. I think like isn't epics like owned by Showtime or something like that, or like they're connected somehow. So, I think so. it's part of the whole HBO Showtime conglomerate thing. Yeah. So this is uh, so this comes from uh, I want to say Fox Networks, and I think it's like an adaptation from BBC as well, or something like that. So there's some decent chops, and as it made it way over its way over here uh but i definitely recommend it and so see if you can get that free epics uh that epic subscription for like a month or so see if you can get one of those and just burn through the eight episodes uh and watch it uh, there's a couple of really sad moments uh, and there's a couple of really cool moments and i mean there's a lot of questions that still need to be answered as season two comes around so uh that is war of the worlds uh 2019 2020 tv series over on uh over on epics take a look it's pretty fun well jeff even though your story seems a little bit heavy and sad um i'm going with a really upbeat happy show myself i want to talk about this week um it's called devs and it's the exact opposite of that actually it's wait uh, wait wait we invade an alien planet no 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 um i'm saying it's the exact opposite of what i was saying it's really slow burning and somewhat depressing at times so uh we got some real happy picks this week hmm. so the creator of devs which is an fx show you can find on hulu um is alice garland he is the writer like he did some writing with ex machina yeah. annihilation and 28 days later i want to so, say he also used to do some writing on west wing way back in the day that so that all way, so. bright stuff really happy stuff that always has a positive ending at the end so um that type of stuff uh, it stars uh, Sonia Mizuno as Lily Chan, Nick Offerman in what looks like to be the greatest acting, uh, at least like the way he morphed his body with hair and beard ever. Um, so they're in it. So Nick Offerman, he plays Forrest. Allison Pill is in it, which I haven't really liked any character she's ever been in. Like, I think she's a good actress. But every time she plays a character, I just don't like that character. That's I interesting. Can't... Allison Pill was in, uh, wasn't wasn't she in that other Aaron Sorkin show on HBO with Jeff Daniels? 
Yeah, 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 yeah. That's a transition to allow me to say I was totally wrong. Uh, Alex Garland uh, did it right on um <clears throat> didn't write on West Wing. No, uh, he did. Uh, he did do the beach, which I, uh, I I really like that novel. So yeah, he's done. He's done a lot of a lot of pretty good stuff, and it shows with this. It even star, it also stars Zach Grenier. Um, I don't know if you know who this guy is, but the best way I can describe who he is, he is in Tommy Boy. He plays one of the execs for uh, his father, and he's the one that says something weird to the camera and yells at David Spade to give the camera back. Yeah, you would um, totally recognize him if you saw yeah. him. He's a he's in a lot of things. He's been the same actor. age since 1992. Uh, so I don't know if I'd say that, but yeah, he's been 42 since 1992. <laughs> so if it also stars uh, Carl uh, Glusman, who's Sergey. And you kind of think that he's the lead character of the show. Um, but there's some twists and turns that happen. And you find out that Sonya, who plays Lily, is the lead. And kind of like her antagonist is Nick Offerman. They're kind of like the opposites of each other. Okay. So the story is pretty simple. Or, or Not simple. The story is pretty... <laughs> uh, it, it's straightforward what's happening. But like the things that are happening are not simple. So... Basically, that, uh, that about sums it up. That's great. I think uh, Lily and Sergey work for like this Google-like place where they the owner of it has more money than he knows what to do with, and they work for like the subdivision of it. Uh, Sergey is a coder. Uh, I believe Lily is in analytics. I'm pretty sure I'm probably wrong. Um, and Nick Offerman's the billionaire. Here's the Jeff Bezos. He's the uh, Bill Gates character, and he has a special division in this company known as Devs, where there's a giant kid just sitting in the middle of the forest, which you'll see on a commercial or posters and stuff for it. It's just this little kid with her hands open just in the middle of the forest. Now, is it an actual giant kid or is it just a kid? And like we're zoomed in really far, so it makes him look giant. It's a statue, giant statue, lifelike statue that sits in a like an amphitheater, so people can sit there and look at it, you know, observe it while thinking and stuff like that. It's kind of a strange okay. thing. Like the whole the whole show has a strange, weird, eerie, almost horror feeling to it. It's a very slow uh, burn. And I know how much you like those slow burns. I do, burns. actually. Yeah. Um, Especially if long, they're scary. Long shots, long holds, eerie music, even though things like aren't terribly scared of what's happening. Like there's one of those, you know, one of those large noise music things to like uh, a pagoda. So like, it's not even like a scary thing, but it's just, it's creating this weird tension. Cause like Lily goes and does some stuff and you're worried about her well being and she's going to be okay. And the music builds for that tension and it turns out it's not that bad, but just, you still have this uneasy feeling the time you're watching it. So essentially the story is Sergey gets promoted um, for his uh, discoveries he found in his coding because he was able to basically predict the movement of a one-cell organism up for 30 seconds with some type of uh, coding technology. So basically predict the future of a li- living organism that has self-awareness you know, <clears throat> up to about 30 seconds, then it breaks down. But that's like a huge thing, basically predicting the future. So they bring Sergey in and they say, we, we want you to be part of the devs. Sergey is a Russian immigrant. Um, and he's he's in a long-term relationship with, with Lily, 
who is a third generation Chinese. So security already has a problem with them. They think that there might be something wrong with them, that there might be some type of ulterior motive to what he's doing, why he's doing the stuff he's doing. So they have this whole security thing with them. When they bring him in, they never really tell you what's happening, at least as far as I am in the show. And I'm only a couple episodes in, and I'm pretty sure they're going to keep it held to the chest up until probably the last episode. But it is something so magnanimous that it drives Sergei to the brink of insanity, that there's something that is involved with whatever's going on in the devs program, that it changes life and reality as we know it. They don't explain what it is. They don't tell you what it is. The only way they describe it in the show is that you can only see it by reading the code of the information given to it. The program is in this Faraday cage, multiple, like half a mile of, of cement covered in water, like suspension field that can't be touched by the outside or can, cannot go to the outside anyway. But it is something so magnanimous it drives them crazy. So you keep using the word magnanimous. D- does that mean what you think it means? Or do you mean a different word? Like It's so huge. So Magnanimous is, is more about generosity. It's like it's super generous. Yeah, what I so- said. Yeah. So um, <laughs> did you mean like enormous? Like just, I guess, earth shaking. Really, so really big. Insane that it, it drives him almost to insanity. Okay. Um, some... Incidents ensue, and then Sonia becomes kind of the lead of the show, and she kind of starts filling the the role of trying to kind of figure out what the hell is going on at the devs. Meanwhile, Nick Offerman's character is this Jeff Bezos, Bill Gates character, who is driven by the fact that he lost his daughter. His daughter is that giant statue. And what he does, even though he has more money than anyone else in the world, he doesn't care about the money. It seems that he is driven by the fact to, I guess, either see or find a way to right that wrong, you know, or see his daughter in some type of way. The only thing they kind of reveal in any way, it's it's so muffled, is that in, the thing has something maybe to do with seeing into the past or the future, something. It's just so strange. They don't really say what it is. It's almost like it's a magic wand machine almost. But they don't really say what it is. But it is something that it's so big that it would destroy reality and what we know in this world as we know, which is pretty interesting. I'm curious to see what it is, which is the biggest hook for me, is I kind of want to go through this. Nick Offerman does a phenomenal job. I mean, he's always been a great actor. Him as Ron Swanson is one of the greatest things ever. Um, he's my spirit animal, and I wish one day to be him. Um, I doubt I'll ever be as good at woodworking as him. And this is kind of like a complete opposite. This is a almost nihilistic um, kind of like uh, God doesn't matter uh, hippy dippy guy compared to what he was on. Uh, Parks and Rec and stuff like that, which is to me is what he's just most known for is his Parks and Rec character. But his acting is so good. Um, there's a few 
moments you can tell are kind of related, even though there's not much said in the show. There's not a, there's not a ton of talking, um, and he doesn't talk a ton, but there's a lot of stuff where you can tell it's obviously related to his daughter, and you can see the pain and hurt. He does such a phenomenal job with very little acting and stuff like that. Um, Sonia Mizuno, who plays Lily, is fantastic. There's there's a couple parts where I'm like, ah, she's okay, but then there, when the certain incidents ensue, certain things that she does as her character are just great. The acting in the show is fantastic, and, and it's good writing. It's a really cool mystery that I'm really hoping that the mystery isn't less than you know what it you know to me i hope it's not less than what i think it is or 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 let, lets me down in some way because it really seems this show is really um is really based around this major mystery of what the hell are they doing in this devs program but that's devs is on fx you can find it on i got it on hulu it's eight episodes out right now I'm definitely going to keep watching it. Nick Offerman is fantastic. Uh, Sonia Mizuno is fantastic. It's a really weird, creepy kind of, it's because there's not like a lot of horror, but it has a super tension filled suspense. I guess you could say if anything, not so much a thriller, but just high suspense and just kind of making you feel off and not making you feel comfortable with what's happening, which I think is a really cool experience you're going through with it. And just kind of, a, it's it's a weird ride, but it's really, really cool. So it's Devs on FX. You should uh, definitely start watching, Jeff. I uh, definitely will. Uh, I just keep forgetting about it because I, I feel like the marketing for it is always confusing because it's like Devs on FX. It is confusing. It's very confusing. But it's on Hulu. But yeah, I don't get it because I looked on FX and like it's not on FX. So it's on Hulu. Yeah, very, so shouldn't it it's be just FX on Hulu. Right. There's, yeah. there's too many... Too many prepositions. Yeah. Yeah. Devs on FX on Hulu with Nick Offerman. Okay. Uh, all right. So uh, Justin and I are continuing this uh, ill-fated voyage of trying to look down memory lane and watch some old television shows uh, in our quarantine states as we're catching up on some old stuff to watch. Uh, and so we tried Highlander last week. That went, um, you know, not great. Uh, and so this week, we're actually going to start talking about The Adventures of Briscoe County Jr. Uh, Adventures of Briscoe County Jr., sometimes just called Briscoe County Jr. or whatever, uh, came out in 93, ran into 94. Uh, this is really strange because it only had one season, but that season had 27 episodes. This is an hour-long show, and there were 27 episodes. Isn't that crazy? I'm looking it up right now, Justin. That's insane. We have shows that are like, I just talked about War of the Worlds. It had eight episodes in one season. This thing had 27 episodes in one the season. The 90s were a weird time. They're just trying to pack out as much as possible. And like, the, I can't remember. Like, wasn't the first, in the first, uh, the first one was like two hours long. So it was like an old school pilot. Like old school pilots used to be like two hours long. I still remember Lost, like its first, uh, its, its first, uh, you know, pilot. It was actually super long. So it's like this this idea of 20 okay so it's got 27 episodes one of those episodes is basically a double episode so really it's got like 28 episodes we didn't get all the way through to well looking at the looking at the end like the last is like a two-parter or something like that uh all right so anyway briscoe county jr stars uh the wonderful bruce campbell uh, as as people would know. I don't even have to say what else he's been in because everyone knows Bruce Campbell. Uh, it was created by Jeffrey Bohm and Carlton Cuse of Lost fame. There we go. We're bringing it back to Lost once more. Carlton Cuse is one of the 
uh, one of the main producers of Carl of uh, of Lost. Uh, and so it came out in '93. It ran on Fox uh, for that full season, uh, and it was it's basically a western. I mean, it's like you look at it, and everything about it is western. So it's got the it's got that same you know the the actual lettering of it, the, the presentation of it. It's set in the old west. It's set in 1893 just as we're moving towards the, the, the 20th century. Uh, Briscoe County Jr. is a bounty hunter and a former Harvard uh, graduate, slash, or, or maybe just attended. I don't know if he ever got a degree. But he's a former Harvard graduate turned bounty hunter in the West. Uh, it's also got Julius Carey, who plays Lord Boulder, uh, who is uh, the other one of the other of the three kind of main characters uh, in the show. Uh, he's he becomes a bounty hunter friend, uh, and they kind of work together a lot in the beginning. In the first couple episodes, they're kind of frenemies, and then eventually they just they just become friends. Uh, Christian Clemenson uh, plays Socrates Poole, uh, who is is a banker effectively who uh, works for a series of tycoons in the West who want to hire a bounty hunter to deal uh, with the John is it John Bly or Robert Bly the the Bly gang uh, who is like the the main villain. Uh, they had at the very beginning of the series, Bly and his gang killed Briscoe County senior, who was a marshal. And the tycoons decide, hey, you know what we should do? Let's bring in the, let's bring in the son because he'll be even more motivated to, you know, kind of go out and figure out what's going on with Bly and keep him from doing all these horrible things. Um, now, the show has very much a problem of the week uh, mode to it, so. Like you're, every week, there's some sort of issue, uh, misadventure that Briscoe and Lord Boulder are getting into. Uh, but there is this overarching story. Uh, the, that overarching story has to do with Bly, but it also has to do with the science fiction component of this show. Now, this show is a bit of a genre blend, but not heavily. It's still like it's still a good 85% Western. But then there's like this 15% like strange sci-fi thing going on because. Uh, appearing throughout the show uh, is the orb, or we learn later, possibly a series of orbs, uh, which is uh, it's basically a sphere, a golden sphere. Uh, it's about as big as a basketball, maybe, and it has all these rods that are stuck into it that when you pull out, become basically lightsabers and uh, can potentially give you uh, some sort of superpowers. So uh, there are some uh, some Chinese uh, uh, railway workers that were enslaved, effectively, and when they discovered the orb and they pulled out a rod, uh, it made them super strong. So they were to break their bindings and go free. Wonderful. Great. But then there is a rich and selfish tycoon who, when he actually used it, uh, he uh, he went crazy and started beating up on people. And uh, then he he went the whole like, uh, uh, what's it called? Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade thing where he just sort of disappeared. Yeah, wrong, wrong grail. He went he, wrong, wrong grail. He chose poorly. Uh, so there, it, it seems to be able to convey some level of power to people. So there's that whole science fiction element. All throughout the show, there's also a variety of references to like this running running theme of the coming thing. As Briscoe County Jr. is a bit of kind of a forward thinker, progressive, open-minded guy. He's way ahead of his time, basically. Uh, so uh, that kind of shows up as we're dealing with like new inventions. So like in the second one, in the second episode, for instance, like he meet, he encounters a man who has been working on like rocket technology, and so suddenly, suddenly Briscoe, despite being an English major at Harvard, uh, is able to help him with his designs of this rocket because he's Briscoe County Jr. and he can do whatever the hell he wants. Uh, so that's the basic overview uh, of the show. 
the first like the first episode like we said it begins with the death of briscoe's father that leads to briscoe being hired and he goes out searching for bligh he comes and he meets both uh both lord bowler and socrates pool to start to start forming that central that central team uh, and then the second episode uh, again has him on hot on the trail of bligh that can that's the kind of the 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 thing that drives or connects one episode to the next so Justin, what did you think of the adventures of Briscoe County Jr.? Um, I thought the first episode was great. Second episode sunk a little bit, but the first one was, I thought was just unbelievable. I loved every bit of it. Um, the writing in the show is, I, I think, phenomenal. Just all these little puns and jokes that are just under under the radar I know they're meant to be there, but they're kind of cringeworthy, but they're still great. Um, I think it is a travesty that they killed Pete in the first show during the uh, draw sequence because he might be the best written character I've seen in a long time. Yeah. Just like this weird guy who's really angry and like explains to you why he's angry. And like, it's just such a weird, fun character. And I just I just love that part of the show. So, this is fun little jokes. I have good news for you, uh, because he does actually come back. That's fantastic. Because yeah. he's so good. Yeah. I thought he was just so funny and so well written. Um so Pete so you're talking about Pete. Silly. Pete's a member of John Bly's gang, and he's sort of um yeah, he's a little bit of an irritant and he's kind of funny and he's just like he's kind of a screw up too. Uh, but he's I'm, also like really smart, but not smart because yeah. like the things he says are really smart. Yeah, he reminds me of like a more comedic Johnny Ringo uh, from like Tombstone or something like that, where like there's a sense of intelligence about him, but he's also kind of stupid in a way. Like the scene where he's just singing, like coming around the mountain on top of the, top of the horse, made me laugh uh, just so much. Do you know who else is in this? Is MC Ganey? Uh, MC Ganey is uh, is Tom Friendly. Uh, from uh, from Lost, uh, he's in this. He's uh, also a member of the uh, John Bly gang. He is Big Smith. Uh, he's also the priest in Beer Fest that uh, sure threatens to sure. beat the brothers up. For me, everything book. comes back to Lost, so like that's what I do. Uh, but he's in this, and he does much like Pete return in interesting ways later on. So yeah, but I, I thought it was like a really good show. Like the whole thing's well written. Bruce Campbell, early '90s Bruce Campbell, and even now is is he's so charming and so fun to watch. Yeah, um, I thought he's a, a fantastic lead. How he doesn't get, I don't know. Like, I felt like Bruce Campbell was always kind of like a B C level actor. Well, he specifically really, made his bones on being in B movies. Yeah. So the evil but I feel like how did he not go further up? I thought he was just he's so charming. And so fun to watch in this show. Um, the second episode was so attractive in the show. I gotta tell yeah, you, I'm handsome. like really handsome, Bruce. It's, I mean, no, I mean, like you're always really handsome, but he's especially the handsome. Sec- the second episode when they're going to jail and he outsmarts the judge, saying he's a a, a lawyer just to get the case dismissed. Mm. Otherwise, he's wasting time. That whole exchange is so good, and like I just don't get how he didn't. Exceed. I honestly think that this show is before its time. Oh, honestly, it, it. I mean, in some ways, it is. Like, I actually really think this is a very good show. Like, 
compared to Highlander, which when we watched last week and I watched it, I'm like, oh god, gutter trash. It's gutter not. It's trash. not that. It's just to me, it just didn't age well. Like, like I, I watch it and I don't think the acting is particularly great. Like, I'm sorry, I don't think Adrian Paul is as good an actor as at least at least in that role as Bruce Campbell was as Briscoe County Jr. I don't think the various uh, the various support in that show is as good as this one. Uh, I don't want to make that every, into a every character. But, yeah. Every character in Briscoe County Jr. is fun to watch. Like yeah. uh, Lord Bowler is great. Yeah, like he's just a guy who's kind of a dick, and you know, trying to one up Briscoe. But in the end, you're like, he's a pretty cool character. I, I like him. No, he's a great character. Actually, he's very funny, um, and like he has some really good lines as well. So, which is pretty good. But um, I really like the like the scene when like they encounter each other in the restaurant and like they're doing the whole dynamite thing. Oh, that so that funny! That scene's dude. so good. It's goes, so funny. He goes, uh, Garcon, can I please see the menu? What do you suggest? Uh, the minute steak. <laughs> so, like, it's the so, whole, it's so the funny. whole moment. And at the end, it's, it's it, there's a nice little garnish on the at top. He goes, um, uh, he goes, here's your steak, sir. And then uh, Socrates goes. Well done, Briscoe. He goes, no, it's rare. Yeah, like, that whole thing is super clever. Yeah, it's so good. And like when you compare it to anything that I, we watched in the first two episodes of Highlander, yeah, it's just it's a different show though. Like, because this is a comedy show. Like, this one is in an adventure, ex- like family, yeah, comedic, family accessible with with comedy to it. Because like it's got Bruce Campbell in it. And there's it's so it's so impossible to watch a show no matter what it is to not have like Bruce Campbell having fun. Like I still remember, do you remember Bubba Hotep with Bruce Campbell? Bubba Hotep. No, is such a, I don't remember that. You don't remember Bubba Hotep, man. If we were doing challenges, if you're still doing gentlemen's challenges, he'd be watching Bubba Hotep, man, where he, <laughs> I won't, I won't get into it anyway. So like the, the other cool thing about this show, the other, one of my other favorite things is Comet. I had forgotten about Comet. Uh, Comet is the name of Briscoe's horse. And what it's hilarious. The introduction of Comet because you've got these, you got these railroad tycoons, these rich folk, all sitting inside of this, you know, nice building, and they're talking about how they hired Briscoe County Jr. and how this is probably the right hire because he was a Harvard grad, and so they're expecting some like refined gentleman. And in comes Briscoe County Jr. looking, you know, ragged. He's like dusting himself off with all sorts of grime from the trail and all that kind of things. Closes the door, and then shortly thereafter. Like you hear like a clippity clop and suddenly Comet, his horse, busts through, like it's opens so up the door. And he's like the way he describes his comet, he's a horse who doesn't think he's a horse. And then they just have like conversations as if they're communicating with one another, which is fantastic. In the second episode, like there's this great moment where like uh like they're 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 trying to stop like this little highway robbery thing going on. And like Bruce Campbell, like Briscoe's trying to tell him, all right, you take the one on the right, I'll take the one on the left. And then they go to they go to do it. And like Comet's not doing that at first. And then finally they do. And then there's an argument afterwards. And he's like, well, no, I took the big one. It's just hilarious. And then Lloyd Boulder, Lord Boulder, I keep saying Lloyd, Lord Boulder in the first episode, when Socrates Poole like goes to talk, goes to find Comet, and like, he starts acting like he's talking like he's Mr. Ed. It's just such a funny moment where he's like, hello, Socrates. <laughs> it's just such a good moment. Uh, this, I this I, I love the show. I thought it's great. Um, I think the um, I think I think like I said, it's just so far ahead of its time. Because yeah, it is it is monster of the week type of thing. You know, problem of the week type of thing. I wasn't saying that was as a criticism. <clears throat> I'm just describing what. It yeah, is. but like it's it's. I think it's more of a episodic than anything. And I think during that time, the only thing that was kind of similar to that 
would be like X Files, where X Files has the monster of the week, but it has well, X Files started a more in '93 as well. Episodic thing, yeah. You know? X Files also started in '93. Interesting is that Bruce Campbell almost joined X Files uh, when when David Duchovny left. I think the last two choices was between Robert Patrick and Bruce Campbell to replace him. Eventually, I think Bruce Campbell ended up on the show. Uh, I can't remember if it was before or after that point, uh, but man, I would love to see Bruce Campbell on X-Files. But like, that, during that time, most shows were just kind of like, all right, what's the problem of the week? And I it mean, wasn't, it, it I, don't wasn't know. I don't think it was as, as deep as like this overall arcing story of like the whole point of the story is you basically have something essentially from space or Maybe. something that is, has godlike powers. It has the ability to grant. In the, in the yeah. wild west. Yeah, it you know? saves. It saves. I mean, Briscoe gets shot in the second episode, and some guy, uh, scientist that he saves on the road from that, you know, from that holdup, uh, uses the orb or teaches him how to use the orb or something like that. Lets him, you know, he pulls a rod out of the orb and he's healed. So like, there's all sorts of like weird, fantastical things that are happening in it. Like, I'm a huge fan, huge fan of like the weird West genre, uh, and that usually involves taking you know a cowboy setting, like a Western setting, and then. In you know injecting other components into it, things like horror or science fiction or fantasy, something like that. And this has a very light hand of that. It's not super heavy. This isn't Cowboys and Aliens, right? Cowboys versus Aliens. This has got a much lighter hand to it, and it doesn't even show up in every episode. Uh, so it's not like you're going to see the orb and magic every episode, but it's just a reoccurring theme or re- reoccurring component to the story that shows up every now and then that adds like an extra an extra angle, an extra an extra uh, you know little little wrinkle to the story which makes it even more memorable and accessible and i'm not gonna lie i, I thought going into this i was going to be disappointed because i remember as a kid i loved briscoe county jr we watched it as a family um whenever whatever day it came out and i liked it as a kid because i liked i thought bruce campbell was was funny when i watched it when i was a kid and it's cowboys and so i was thinking well there's a plausibility that this thing probably doesn't hold up as well as i thought it did like i thought Highlander would hold up okay. Honestly, I did. I really thought it would, and it did. It did not. So, it, to me, it's a shame. Looking back on this, it only had essentially like two seasons worth of episodes. Twenty-seven episode. That is the that is pretty much the equivalent of a Netflix series. So many Netflix series, when they are successful, they go three seasons long, and they get some. Yeah, but I doubt this episodes. has a beginning, middle, end though. I, I, no, I, really uh, I mean, know. there's. I don't. I don't recall how early they knew about the cancellation. It's been a lot. I, I watched all of this start to finish, like uh, when I was a kid. So like this is, and I've, and I've, I haven't, I haven't watched it. This was 27 years ago. Like there's 27 episodes and it was 27 years ago that this show came out. And I remember that there, I think like the last two episodes, I know Briscoe and, and Bowler were in trouble. Like they basically are arrested and stuff like that. And then I can't remember the specific details, but I do remember that uh, as kind of going on. But there's definitely not resolution when it comes to a lot of different components. Uh, the like the character of Big Smith returns, and he's a lot different when he comes back because he's had time with the orb and it's changed him in some way. So there's definitely something about how the orb like reads the the worth and quality of a person or something like that, uh, and and it somehow changes them because it looks like Smith is dead in the very beginning because he's thrown off like a, a you know a, a big old bridge and he, the orbs going down with him and then he comes back a couple times here and there and becomes sort of an interesting recurring character uh so yeah there's not I, I mean there's definitely not resolution uh for the overarching story but overall I loved it I thought it was great I think it's the first win in our journey to find uh, the greatest 90s 
to late eighties uh, TV show. Is that, what we're doing? So, uh, is that our job? Yeah, yeah. we're trying yeah. to find the best. We're, this, someone's got to do it, and it's our job. So, so yeah, definitely recommend. Both of us recommend it. If you want to watch it, it's on the IMDb channel, uh, which can be accessed via. It Amazon. gives you ads. It gives but, you like, ads. It's not that bad. It's not. It, it isn't that bad. It gives you ads that lie to you uh, because they say in the bottom left, video will resume in fifteen seconds, and then fifteen yeah, seconds is like over. Two and, and a half minutes later. Yeah. Then like another commercial goes on, but like it's it's yeah. You can access it through uh, through Amazon Prime, but you can get it through other things as well. So it's the IMDb channel. So Briscoe County. If you've never seen Briscoe yeah. County Junior. You should definitely give it a shot. I mean, it's good. It's a really good old TV show. This reminds and me. And holds up phenomenally. Yeah, the tone of the show reminds me of something that would be like on USA when like Psych was out and stuff like that. And Monk, like it has that kind of tone yeah. to it where it where it weaves lighthearted comedy with some other serious storylines from time to time. But we're still having fun the whole time. So like it's definitely an accessible show. I think it's accessible for kids as well. I mean, I watched it. I, I was, you know, in puberty or something at the time. So, like, I was pretty young. You were pretty young when you started finally watching it. So, like, it's this is definitely the type of show that I think young folks can can watch and uh, can't recommend it enough. Uh, so, what is going to be our next uh, our next venture for next week? I don't know. Did you have any ideas? I, I, I'm I, still going back to the Babylon Five thing. Because I've, right, I've we can do we can do we can do Babylon Five. Okay. We'll do Babylon Five. I've always wanted to watch Babylon Five. I never really got into it at the time. I was too busy. My brother's going to be thrilled. Yeah, you know, I watched a couple episodes of Babylon Five. Okay, I'm um, I'm looking forward to doing that. And at some point, maybe I mean, like at some point, maybe we'll cycle back to Briscoe County Junior again because it's actually wouldn't wouldn't be the worst thing to keep keep watching this because uh, it was it was kind of fun. But um, but yeah, we'll check out Babylon Five next week. Okay, so let's end this episode. If you like what you're hearing, uh, if you uh, want to kind of see more of the stuff that we're doing, you can catch us online at thelollygaggers.com. We have a variety of other shows and content that we produce. Uh, you can uh, catch me on Twitter at lollygaggerco. You can catch Justin on Twitter at buysjustin. If you have ideas for like old shows uh, from the 80s and 90s that we should watch, uh, send them to us. Give us some ideas. Uh, we're definitely open to this. This is sort of like a fly by the seat of our pants type of thing, and we're figuring it out as we go. But it's kind of fun. Uh, let's see what else Justin and I can be found on a couple different shows this week. So on Thursday this week, uh, over on twitch.tv slash RPG, you can catch both of us playing, uh, in an online tabletop role-playing game show, uh, called the ailing isle, uh, 7 PM, uh, Pacific, uh, 9 PM central. Uh, and then on Saturday, I think we're going to be playing some Shinobagami, uh, another RPG game. It's about ninjas in modern Japan. Uh, Justin and I are going to be playing in that probably on Saturday. That's 4 p.m. Pacific and 6 p.m. Central. So you can come check us out, twitch.tv slash the lollygaggers. And I got a new show uh, dropping on Monday as well. Uh, We're going to be playing over on twitch.tv slash the lollygaggers. We're going to be playing Heart. Uh, It's a new RPG uh, that is a a lot like Darkest Dungeon. So if you're familiar with Darkest Dungeon, the video game, there's a lot of people who like just say, oh, yeah, it's Darkest Dungeon. It's effectively what we're doing. Uh, and then you can always catch our other podcast, Adventures in Lollygagging, when it drops uh, audio only Monday mornings, uh, wherever you get your podcasts, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, etc. cetera. Uh, all right, Justin. Uh, so final question for you. If you uh, if you were in the world of Briscoe County Jr. and you were to encounter the orb and you were to pull out one of its rods, uh, what kind of powers uh, or effects do you think it would have on you and why? It would just give me a chiseled body. That's all. That's all I would want. Hmm. So that's a superpower it would give me. It just make me 
not fat. And that's kind of what I'm looking for. So if you guys can find that orb somewhere, so I can get my hands on that, so I can get all shredded up, it'd be great. Kind of looking for like, um, you know, I've been watching a lot of WWE, um, maybe like a, a Lex Luger body, um, <laughs> something like that. Okay. Uh, a, a, a Rick Rude uh, type of body, that'd be great. Just so shredded that it probably hurts to walk because my muscles would scrape against each other. So that's kind of what I'm looking for. You get your hands on one of those uh, orbs, that'd be great.